We started talking about how companies don't care about you. And she pushed back and she said, it might be true that companies don't care about you, but it's probably not true that people within those companies don't care about you. There are no rules. No rules. You're listening to Degree Free on the Degree Free Network, where we talk about how to teach yourself, get work, and make money. No degree needed. Here are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. Aloha, folks, and welcome back to Degree Free, where we teach you how to get hired without a college degree. We are your hosts, Ryan and Hannah Maruyama. It is great to have you back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, folks, Ryan and I are stoked to have you with us today. Yes, we are very excited to have you today. This week is going to be a quicker episode. I just have a couple of things that I wanted to talk about this week. So let's just dive right into it. The first thing that I wanted to talk about, I was thinking about a series that we did a while back. It was called The Biggest Job Lies. We've went through three of the biggest job lies already, and I'll put links to those episodes in the show notes, degreefree.co forward slash podcast. And you can find the links to the other three episodes. But I was thinking about other job lies that I've heard over my time working throughout my career. Didn't matter what industry, didn't matter what job. One of the things that I used to hate hearing and I hate hearing is we only want what's best for you. Yeah, that's right up there with the, we're a family here. Yeah, you've probably heard this before. You'll usually hear this when they're talking about something difficult to bring up. They'll usually say this and whoever they is, it's your boss, usually your boss. You're either direct report boss, your supervisor, or your boss's boss. It's a way for them to blunt whatever it is that's coming out of their mouth next. We only want what's best for you, so we're gonna let you go. Yep, it's always cushioning something you don't wanna hear. Yeah, we only want what's best for you. So you're going to have to stay on longer so that you can learn your job better, whatever it is. Yeah, we only want what's best for you. So we're not going to promote you yet. Exactly. And I don't think that a lot of bosses say this to be malicious. It's just that they're really terrible at delivering bad news or what they believe is going to be considered bad news. It's obviously not true. It's not true yeah they do not only what one's best for you they're a company it's their job to make money that is their primary concern yes the company does what's best for the company and you do what's best for you it's never more obvious than when you are negotiating for your salary when you're negotiating for your salary 99.9 percent of the time you are going to be asking for a higher price and they're going to be asking for a lower price because they want what's best for the company and you want what's best for you. What's best for you is making more money. What's best for them is getting you at a lower price. So it's made apparent there and that translates throughout your entire career and throughout the entire company. Now, what I wanted to say here was something that I didn't think about until I spoke to Julia Pollack, the chief economist at ZipRecruiter. And I will link to that episode in the show notes as well, degreefree.co slash podcast. And you can go back and listen to that episode. It was a really good one. We started talking about this a little bit. 
about how companies don't care about you. And she pushed back and she said, it might be true that companies don't care about you, but it's probably not true that people within those companies don't care about you. That's absolutely true. And that kind of blew my mind. It's so simple when you think about it. And for those listening, you're like, yeah, no, no shit, Sherlock. Right. But for me, that blew my mind because I always thought, okay, people within the company, my bosses don't give a rip about me because they are on the company's side, which yes, in their role, they have to be, or most likely they are. It doesn't mean that there's no empathy or sympathy coming from them. It's just that they are in that role and you're in your role and they have to do what they have to do. Yeah. Their job is to administrate what's in the best interest of the company, but they may be in your corner. Exactly. And you can think back to your own experience. I'm sure that you've had bosses that you knew cared about you, even though they were your boss. And even though they had to be the hammer when you messed up, or they couldn't give you that raise because it wasn't in the budget, things like that. But that didn't mean that they didn't care about you. That being said, at the end of the day, the company has to do what's right for the company. They will not do what's best for you because what's best for you is when it comes time to cut people for you to not get cut. But the fact of the matter is, if they can't make payroll and they are struggling and you're in a position that needs to be cut, the highest likelihood is that you are going to be cut. And if they don't cut you, they're going to have to cut other people. Yeah, exactly. They're going to have to cut other people or eventually they're just not going to be able to make payroll and they're just going to fold. Right. So either the company doesn't exist because they can't make their payroll, they can't pay their bills or they get rid of a few people and you might be one of those people. There's not much to know here other than when you hear that, just know that bad news is probably coming at the end of that sentence or the next sentence after that. So brace yourself and just know that you need to do what's best for you. So for example, if a company is trying to make you quit and this does happen, it doesn't happen at reputable companies, it doesn't happen with reputable teams, but it has happened and it does happen to people. If a company or a boss is trying to make you quit, because they don't want to pay your severance. They don't want to pay unemployment insurance. They don't want their rates to go up. And they say, oh, well, I just want what's best for you. Here's these other roles, so on and so forth. Go ahead and apply to them. But you can quit your job now. Just remember that they do not want what's best for you in that situation. They want what's best for them. Exactly. They're worried about paying their own bills. They're worried about making sure that they can keep the lights on. So before we get into the next topic, if you want to learn more about how to get hired without a degree, degree-free news, stuff that Ryan and I think is cool that you're going to want to know about, you are going to want to go over to degreefree.co forward slash newsletter to sign up and get our free weekly newsletter delivered right to your inbox. Yep, absolutely. And the next thing that I want to talk about is inspired by a question that we got in our first cohort of the career change crash course, where we help you get a job without a college degree, where we teach you how to be an effective job seeker. You can learn all about that at degreefree.co forward slash career change. You can sign up there. What reminded me about this question was actually a Slate article that I read from a couple of months ago as well. It's pretty funny. The headline is like, want a job? Cool. Here's 17 interviews or whatever. Wow. If that isn't the temperature of what's going on right now. Yeah. The, it's That was pretty funny. And it's Slate. So I'm not sure of the sources or anything, but it's, it was a funny article. Guarantee there's people that have had 17 interviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the article, there's actually a guy that had 29 interviews. What? 
Yeah. So it was... For what kind of job? I think it was engineering. I'm not sure. But still, that's like... Still, that's... That's so, so many. Unless you're building rocket ships, maybe. I could see that. Yes. So the question that we got asked in the career change crash course, it was somebody trying to land their first job in the tech industry in their first tech role. And that's very wide ranging. But the question is, how many interviews can you expect when getting hired for a tech role? So to give the answer up front, it depends, but expect at least three, usually three. This is highly, highly dependent on what roles you're applying for. Generally speaking, the more technical the role, the more interviews. Generally speaking, the more senior the role, the more interviews as well. Before I go in detail what the three interviews look like, what I'm counting as interviews, other people for some reason don't consider them interviews. I feel like anytime you're scheduled to meet with someone that you have to meet with, it's an interview. Exactly. That's what I'm counting as an interview. But a, a lot of people in the you know career space, and I'm using career for those that aren't watching on YouTube, I'm using career in quotes here. They're in the career space. They're saying, oh, the 15 minute call, the first one that you do with the recruiter, whether that recruiter's internal or external, that's not really an interview. Except for if you do badly at it, they're not going to move you forward exactly. and you have to schedule with them. So it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. So, I've heard that too. And I'm like, it's an interview because if you don't do well at it, they're not going to move you ahead. Exactly. So I am counting interviews as any time that you are interfacing with somebody either on a phone call or on a video call. So, so anytime you're doing it or in person in real time, right? Exactly. Phone call, video call, or in person emails, chats, that doesn't count. Yeah. Not an that's, interview. That's not what I'm counting as interviews. Mm-hmm. But anytime that you're hopping on the phone with somebody, anytime that you're doing a video call, that is one interview. Okay. So I just wanted to clear that out. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what I'm defining as an interview. So generally speaking, if you are asking this question, you probably haven't held a tech role before. And I'm not talking about technical. I'm talking about a technology role before you haven't worked in a tech company, or it's been a while since you've interviewed. So you just want to know what the landscape is. It's going to look usually like three interviews, the interviews, once again, generally speaking, and this is going to differ depending on your experience, depending on the role, all of those disclaimers. But the first interview is going to be what they call a quote unquote vibe check. That is usually with an internal or external recruiter. Those are the people that are doing the initial reach out to you. And what they're doing on this vibe check is they're just literally making sure that you vibe. Once again, for those not watching on YouTube, I'm using air quotes that you vibe with the team, with the company culture and with everything that's going on there. I hate those. <laughs> yeah, I hate that too. Because then it gives HR this power to, if, if they don't like your vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then they're not going to move you forward. And also, I've said this before, but HR, especially now, a lot of them are women. And usually they're a little bit on the younger side. So what you're telling me is if a 36-year-old man who's an engineer doesn't vibe... <laughs> with this 25 year old chick, then he doesn't get moved forward in the interview process. How ridiculous. And right. if companies are actually screening people that way. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. But they are. So 
you have to get past the gatekeeper there. A lot of times that person is not going to be technical, especially for you if you're listening to this podcast and you are asking this question. It's not going to be like a technical recruiter. You're just going to be talking to this person and just basically you're going to try to be upbeat, try to talk about teamwork and talk, talk about how you can bring value to the company and bring value to that team. Because yeah, if they don't like you, they're not going to move you ahead. Yes, they are the gatekeeper and you need to get past them and then get on to the next person. If it's not an internal or external recruiter at this first one, it could be your direct report. And that should tell you a little bit about the team size, about the company size. Usually, if it's your direct report in the first one, the company or the team that you're working on is much, much smaller. If you are talking to a recruiter in the first round, there's one of two options. One, the small company that you are applying to hired a recruiting agency. Two, it's a large company and they have a lot of red tape that you have to go through. But those are the two paths if you are talking to a recruiter first thing. The second interview is usually with your direct report. That is going to be a one-on-one where you speak to the person that you are going to be directly reporting to, your supervisor, your manager, your boss, and you're going to go through the normal things that you go through in an interview. Tell me about yourself. Worst question ever. Or it's not even a question, right? Yeah. It's just a statement. Why do you want to work for this company? Those types of things. That is what you can expect in the second interview. Sometimes, depending on the role, depending on the company, once again, those second interviews can be panel interviews as well. If it's a panel interview at that second one, it's usually a panel of the team that you are going to be working with and not necessarily the bosses. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be your manager and then the coworkers that you are going to have. If you're gonna be in a team of five people, you're gonna be one of five. It's gonna be your boss and then the three other people to make five. In the panel interview as well, it's gonna be very similar. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of tell me about yourself. It might get into technical details about the role or behavioral questions, depending on the roles that you are applying for. Once again, it's a little hard to nail all of this down because when you say, I wanna work in tech, I wanna work in the tech industry, that's such a wide, there's an infinite amount of jobs in there and there's an infinite amount of interview questions and interview prep that you have to do if you're just saying tech. But it gets a lot easier when you're saying customer success, engineering, marketing, so on and so forth. This whole segment is just to give you an idea if you've never applied for a tech role before. The third is gonna be a panel interview. Usually at this point, the panel is going to be made up of your bosses. Your coworkers are now out of it and you are talking to your direct report and then your direct reports report. So your boss's boss. And then maybe your boss's boss's boss or boss's boss adjacent. Sorry, that's getting confusing. But, I know what you mean. But I think you, I think that's kind of clear. Yeah. So that is the third interview. If you're lucky, that is also the interview where you figure out whether or not you have the job and you do a lot of your negotiations where they are saying, okay, I like you. You're the one. Let's talk numbers. Then you talk a little bit of numbers so that you figure out a range and you can kind of hammer that down. I say kind of 
because it might not be up to them completely. It might be a budget that HR has to deal with. And so an HR representative will call you later with your official offer, but because of their budgeting and their department, they can narrow down the range. So hopefully at the end of that interview, you get a really good idea that you have landed this job or you're at least going to get an offer, a formal offer in writing. As we've talked about before, you should definitely get everything in writing and formal offer is made. Okay, now that is a very, very high level view of how many interviews you can expect when getting hired for a tech role. But like I said, this changes wildly between companies and roles that you're applying for. For example, Go back and listen to my conversation with Drake Porter, who is a senior product manager at Meta. It's episode 63. And I know that off the top of my head because I've listened to that so many times. Yeah, you and I both have. It's a great episode. Yes. And I'm hoping to get him back on the podcast. So if you want to hear from Drake again, if you have any questions that you'd like answered from Drake, drop your questions in the comments, go to YouTube and let us know what you'd like to know from Drake. But he details the entire meta interview process that he went through when he was getting hired. And he went through eight interviews, I believe. Yeah, that's what he said. Granted, he did a redo of one of them. So I think it would have been seven, but still eight interviews. That's a lot of interviews, but also he's a senior product manager. So I'm not going to bore you with all the details of each interview. Just go back and listen to that episode. I'll put links in the show notes to griefree.co for slash podcast. You can listen to all of it there, but they go through a lot of the thinking and the soft skills that a product manager needs, and they want to see your thought process. Like I said before, that Slate article inspired me to think back from a couple of months ago from the career change crash course because there's a person that interviewed 29 times without knowing whether or not they got the job. It's just, that's so insane. It's, you're employing that person at that point, but you're just, but for free. Exactly, exactly. And even if it's for a more technical role, like an engineer or even like a C-suite executive, I get that you have to like wine and dine them and you have to figure out who they are. So maybe for a C-suite executive, I can see it making more sense, but really that's a lot of time on both the candidate's part and the company's part. It's a lot of risk. I'm not talking about risk. I'm just talking about time. Yeah. If you've interfaced with somebody 29 times and you figure that it takes half an hour for each one or even 15 minutes, that's a lot of time. That's hours of time to figure out whether or not this candidate makes sense. Okay, I do want to address that it is really high leverage for companies to hire because there are studies out there that show that new hires take about six months to become productive in their work environment. So for six months, the company is paying your salary at a loss of productivity. And at six months, you're fully trained and you know what's going on usually. So it makes sense that they are trying to make sure you are the correct hire for this role. But 29 interviews is crazy. Honestly, eight interviews is kind of a lot as well. Yeah. That's excessive to me. Yeah. The last thing that I wanted to talk about here is 
talking about smaller teams and smaller companies versus larger teams and larger companies. Once again, painting with broad strokes, the larger the company, the more interviews you'll have. Yeah, unless they have it really dialed in. Exactly. Because there's just more red tape. They're more established. They have established departments and established procedures to go through. And a lot of those procedures are made up because they want to have the interview process be as unbiased as possible, or at least that's what they say. I'm not making a value judgment on that, but that's just what they say. So they have to go through eight interviews before they hire you to make sure that it's unbiased and make sure that you are the correct candidate for it. Whereas a lot of smaller companies or smaller teams within larger companies, depending on how much leeway that smaller team gets or has, the interviews are going to be a lot less. Yeah. For my startup that I work for now, I had one call. Yes. And then an offer. Yes, exactly. So the interview process can also tell you a lot about the company as well. You can start to make inferences. If you don't already know whether or not this company is big or small, and you're trying to piece it all together. If you only have one interview, you're probably working at a smaller company. If your first interview is with your direct report or it's with the founder of the company or or something like that, somebody much higher than where you're going to be. Small company. It's probably a smaller company. That just gives you a lot of context clues of the things that they care about the things that you can talk about in your interview. This is getting a little bit in the weeds and we go over all of these types of stuff in the career change crash course where we can kind of take all these context clues and use them. So you can go to degreefree.co forward slash career change to learn more about that. But generally speaking, if you see on your calendar invite that you are meeting with the CEO or the founder and you are applying for a mid-level role, okay, well then you might be this number three guy. You might be the number four person in the company. And so the things that you're going to talk about are going to be different on a smaller company than it is in a larger company. Because in larger companies, your role might be just do this one thing. Boom, 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 all day. And you're bringing efficiency to that role. Whereas in smaller companies, you are going to be wearing more hats. Your job isn't as defined. You're constantly putting out fires. And so you can focus and talk about those types of things instead. Whereas if you're going to interview at a bigger company, you might want to just stick within your job roles and say, I'm going to bring efficiency here where it's needed, where I'm getting hired for. The last thing I'll say about that is that with smaller companies, the reason why there are less interviews is because they don't have a defined hiring process yet because they are busy actually providing the product, providing the service instead of hiring people. They don't have a defined process for hiring like how a large company with dedicated resources that have an HR department, they can focus on having a defined process. Whereas a startup with one to four people they're all doing work. They don't have a structured, oh, let's do an eight-part interview where we do this task, this task, this task, this task. It's just like, I'm going to call this person and we are going to figure out whether or not you're a good fit within three interviews. Sometimes, in your case, one interview. Mm-hmm. The fortunate and unfortunate byproduct of this remote working revolution 
is that a lot more people are being able to stay at home and work remotely and earn a living, be with their family, spend more time, work less, have more quote unquote work-life balance. So that's really good. That's the plus side of the remote work. The downside on the interview portion of it is that it's never been easier to have interviews. So the amount of interviews that are being held for companies is skyrocketing because it is so easy. All it is now is a calendar invite. You just get sent a calendar invite where you're meeting with all these different people and then you just have a Zoom meeting or a Google Meet meeting and you talk about why you're a good fit for this role and whatever, whatever, whatever. Whereas if it was in person, they would have you do less interviews because they have to go into the office, they're doing other things in the office and then you honestly, they don't want to make you come into the office seven times. But if it's remote, it's like, yeah, he just got to hop on his computer, right? So it's fine. It becomes minimized. Yep, exactly. And that has a large portion to do with this massive increase in the number of interviews. But that's kind of the byproduct of the world that we're living in. It's great. Remote work has never been more possible. It has never been more prevalent. And it's never been more accessible. The downside of that, you're going to have to live with some of them. And it is that we've never seen more interviews either. And that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Like I said, that last segment there was inspired by a question that we got in our career change crash course. If you want to learn how to get a job without a college degree, if you want to learn how to be an effective job seeker, how to achieve your career goals, go to degreefree.co forward slash career change, and you can learn all about the course and you can sign up there. We'll see you there. Absolutely. And last thing before you go, If you haven't already, connect with Hannah and myself on LinkedIn. We will put links to our LinkedIn in the show notes, degreefree.co forward slash podcast. And that's pretty much it. Until next time, guys. Aloha.